Welcome to Conscious Life Spaces Conversations Podcast. My name is Amy Adams, and I'm your guide on this journey today. Today, I spoke with Ashley Marley of Ashley Marley Movement. Ashley is originally from California and is now living and teaching in England. We spoke about yoga, its challenges as benefits, building community, leaving a legacy, and much more. If I were to look at what my legacy is, it's helping people realize their greatness and um, realize their physical abilities as well as mental abilities because by taking care of themselves they're going to show up greater in the world and it's going to cause that ripple effect of just making the world a better place because they're a happier person. Before we begin the interview with Ashley, I just wanted to take a moment to um, remind you that there is a resource library available to you. There are downloadable meditations. There are some workbooks on gardening. There are a lot of different tools to help navigate this uh, beautiful and complex world. You can uh, access the resource library when you subscribe to the newsletter. Go to this website. It is getit, G-E-T-I-T dot consciouslife.guru. I will put the link um, here and also in the show notes. asked Ashley to tell us how she got into yoga and what her journey has been towards um, really evolving into this career and helping other people. Thank you, Amy. That's wonderful. Um, So I have over 20 years of experience. Um, I started getting into fitness and movement and specifically yoga um, about 20 years ago when I was trying to deal with depression and anxiety. Um, I initially had tried medications and I really didn't like how they made me feel. Um, I'm in no way anti-medications. I just want to clear that up right now, but it just wasn't for me. And so um, I was listening to good old NPR and there was an article on there about how um, yoga and diet could change the way you felt. It could um, adjust the chemicals in your body. And I thought, well, I will give that a try. And I was in Tahoe at the time and we had an amazing community college. And so I signed up for like three yoga classes and um, they were, because they were with the community college, they had um, a curriculum aspect to it. So not only were we learning asana, um, we were also learning the history, uh, learning anatomy. It was kind of like this little mini teacher training before teacher trainings really existed. This was back in 1999. And um, it really did. It started to make a huge change in my life. And um, so through, through that movement, and then also um, I started eating cleaner um, than I ever had before, um, kind of paleo before paleo was a buzzword. So I just started eating 
whole foods. I stopped eating dairy. Um, I stopped buying things that had more than five ingredients in them and just started making small changes like that. And it really helped me um, become a happier person without medication. And um, it just was something that was always with me. And I, I found that um, I felt so good being physically challenged. So that led to me doing boot camps, which led to me becoming a wildland firefighter, um, which was probably one of the most physically exhausting and rewarding things besides giving birth um, for me. And so, I, I mean, I went on to have like a grown-up career in marketing and public relations. And um, it was around 30 years old that I was just feeling like, this isn't for me. It's kind of soul sucking. Um, I'm not happy. Um, I was feeling depressed again. And I remember calling my mother up crying, just saying, I just want to be a yoga instructor because people would at least be happy when they saw me and I can make a difference in people's lives. And so that very next day, I went and got a desk job at a yoga studio that was just around the corner from my house because they offered um, the front desk gals um, free teacher training. Mm -hmm. And so I started moonlighting as a receptionist at a yoga studio and went through the training and they asked me to come and teach. And um, that was in 2010. And from that point on, I quickly rose to one of the top instructors in that studio, um, continued training. And um, it's just been a phenomenal career. It's been amazing watching the community grow and um, watching people change their lives and their dialogues with themselves about movement and uh, where they prioritize that in their life. When you decided to make this change and um, I'm going so to back up a little bit. So you, uh, so you went to school uh, in your community college, you took the classes, but then after that, did you just practice yoga like on your own? Is that kind of what you did here and there? And you or did you have a break from that? Or did you just decide to work out? Like what was the thing there? So yoga, I continued to practice it off and on throughout my entire 20s. So I started taking yoga when I was about 19. And um, I really used yoga as kind of a way to help rehab me from all my other physical activities that I did. I also during that time discovered a practice called Tibetan heart yoga. Oh. Um, which was kind of a combination of kundalini kriyas and um, vinyasa flow, all centered around the heart chakra. I have been playing around with yoga for years, but I and I know a lot of terms because I read a lot of stuff, but I still don't know a lot of stuff. And uh, in there, like I've heard of like kriya yoga, and I've heard of. Uh, well, I know like Kundalini is like the base of your spine, the snake rising up, kind of becoming awake in the world, right? But the Kundalini and the Kriya mm -hmm. and all that, like how, can you just break it down a little bit for us and explain to people who wouldn't know yeah. what some of that is? Okay. Yes. So Kundalini yoga is awakening um, the base chakra. Um, the Kundalinis believe that um, we have our life source and our power source that sits at the base of our spine. And they do movements called kriyas, which are very dynamic movements. So like um, maybe it's like pounding your chest or just kind of doing these um, dynamic movements to help awaken your, your Kundalini to help it serpent way up and come out the top of your head. Tibetan heart yoga is all about the fourth chakra. And they would use 
a combination of kriyas that are supposed to help open the heart chakra um, through vinyasa yoga and intention setting around the heart. And it, it, most of the time we were asked to dedicate our practice to, to people, to someone in need. And um, it was a really profound physical and emotional and spiritual experience for me. And um, it really kind of helped solidify my love for yoga. Um, even, even though the initial yoga I was taking was um, just good old fashioned Hatha yoga with this amazing English teacher, uh, English woman, she was a yoga instructor named Amrito. It was really that Kundalini yoga that showed me, wow, this can be a huge physical practice as well as a spiritual practice. Right. And I absolutely loved that, combining the two, because what good are we as spiritual beings right. if we don't have a vessel to carry our souls around? Right. Right. Yeah. That's, you have to take care of the vessel. Exactly. That's, uh, mm. yeah, without that, then you, you don't, uh, that's a whole kind of idea. I think too, when people say sometimes, um, that take self care is like selfish and I'm like, no, it's not because if you don't take care of yourself, you don't, you can't even give to anyone else. And when you actually think about it, it's like, yeah, well, if I'm feeling fit and good, I'm going to have more energy, I'm going to have more vibrancy, and I'm going to be able to give. And if I'm just really tired and I'm feeling sickly, how can I do that? So I recently went on a little retreat, and actually, I learned something, which uh, we did this thing where we were going like this, uh, like very fast. And I've never done a yoga movement like that ever in all the classes I've taken or followed online even. And so I thought that was really fascinating that you just talked about that because I didn't really, I mean, honestly, it's kind of a blur in my mind exactly what we were doing <laughs> at the time, but it felt really good and there was a reason behind it. And um, I think it was a hard kind of thing to kind of let go of uh, some things, but that's so fascinating to learn that because I didn't even really know that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think, I think the Korea movements are underutilized and um, I, I like that they're creeping up more and more in mainstream yoga culture. Um, yeah, because they, they can be really effective, especially when you're doing them in a room full of people. And it's like, just you think about it, it's like literally fanning the flames and the energy within the room. Yeah, the energy really did feel because you have also, I think, uh, maybe like these movements, because they're fast, they're making a noise. So the mm -hmm. noise is like a little noise, but if, you know, 10 or 20 people are making the noise together, it's going to be even louder. So that's really, yeah. You said that um, you started to eat cleaner. You said that you stopped eating things that had more than five ingredients. It was like if it had more than five ingredients and that would be processed food pretty much. Is that the idea? Yeah. So there was two things behind that. It was if you couldn't pronounce an ingredient, right, then don't get it. And if it had more than five ingredients, then it's like, that's when all the additives and the preservatives came in. And, and, you know, you should, you should, I shouldn't say you should, because not everybody can, but it was an effort to be preparing more of the food at home so that you knew what was going into your food. And also, you know, if you were to buy a jar of tomato sauce, um, just making sure that it wasn't full of sugar, that it wasn't full of color or anything like that, because all these things can, you know, tip your chemistry. Right. What about the paleo diet? Because you mentioned that. And honestly, I have watched a lot of documentaries on like different diets and food. There was one recently on Netflix that had something about um, a child uh, switched over to some kind of like whole food diet, right? So whole food is kind of easy. Paleo, 
I don't really know what that means. And I know like the, so if you could just let us know what paleo. Yes. So um, paleo was kind of termed back in the early 2000s. Um, it's the idea of eating more like our ancestors did. Um, so that means no processed foods. It means no processed sugars. And we're talking before agricultural times, which I mean, in reality, we're not eating like that because I don't think that we were, you know, we had the type of cattle and chickens that we have today. Um, people are, people have the misconception that paleo is eating all the bacon and all the beef. Um, I know lots of vegetarians and vegans that are paleo as well. Um, it's, it's embracing the idea that there's certain foods that we as humans cannot digest and that our agricultural um, processes evolved quicker than our digestion tracts have. Um, so it's the idea that there's grains that unless prepared a certain way that we cannot digest, that the majority of us cannot digest um, dairy. Um, it's also the idea that, you know, fruit only came in season a couple times a year. So we weren't eating fruit all the time. Um, it's this idea of eating closer to the land. I mean, some people take it as far as they hunt for their own food, they gather for their own food and getting back to that kind of hunter gatherer mentality um, and just eating cleaner. Um, now, I don't think that it's diet that's necessarily great for everybody. I think people need to kind of explore what works best for them personally and really have a conversation with themselves about what they're putting in their bodies. How does that make them feel? Um, for me, eating paleo feels good. I have energy. My skin is clear. Um, it just, things work better. Right. Right. Well, that's interesting because I, I, I mean, like some, because there were a whole series of documentaries and they were talking about different diets. And of course, you know, some were arguing you know, this way or that way. And, but in uh, the people that were doing them often found like there were people who found success with the different kinds of things that worked for them, but a mm -hmm. lot of people weren't even being conscious at all about their diet. So um, to even think about what works for you is a good point and start. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So I want to know too, when your mom, when you called her up crying, what did she say to you? <laughs> Um, she was a superstar. She just said, Ashley, you need to do what makes you happy. And she always had this saying that when we were kids, if you give your gift from your heart, you will be a star. And so she said, if this is what you really feel, if this is what you're being pulled towards, then yes, go ahead and leave the comfort of your corporate job and explore this. We've got your back. Uh -huh. And so having that support um, made it possible made it possible for me to take that leap. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think that's important too, because I mean, a lot of people, not even from their parents, but just from TV and different things, this whole kind of idea of just following the mainstream, getting a good corporate job with benefits and, you know, following this kind of path. I mean, obviously some people really love it and it's great for them, but yeah. for the person who doesn't, it's, it can be kind of a death sentence almost to continue to go to a job that you're really unhappy in. I also started as a young person in a kind of, it was a summer job that turned into a bunch of years. <laughs> and then one day I was like, what happened? So I met yeah. people along the way have had that. And then there are other people who love it. And yeah. it works for them. <laughs> so it, it was tough for me, I'll tell you, because, um, I didn't necessarily get the pressure from my family, but I put these self-inflicted um, pressures on myself that I needed to be a high-powered corporate person. And it wasn't for me, you know, I, I just, it was 
so soul crushing for me mm-hmm. and I wanted it to work, but it, I just, I couldn't show up and do it. I was just, it was too much for me. And, um, leave, leaving the corporate world was the best decision, even though like I had so much guilt behind it. Right. That's interesting about the guilt because like having guilt, it's like if you, if it was really your own goal initially and not really from outside sources to experience guilt over that, that's kind of interesting that you had that experience. So did it take you, did you, um, did it take you a while after you left the corporate world to kind of, uh, feel okay about not being in it anymore or did you feel like relieved and I mean did you feel afraid leaving it I mean just some maybe you can help other people kind of understand you know I think we can all learn by everyone's experience like what it was because maybe somebody's thinking hmm, I'd like to do that but I'm terrified <laughs> well yeah it wasn't easy I was I was 30 years old um I was single at the time I, I was um, kind of seeing my now husband um, but it was literally starting over again. So I left a comfortable paying job um, to essentially start over fresh. Um, I had to take a job as a waitress. Um, so I was working three jobs at one point. I was still working at the front desk of the yoga studio. I was at that point teaching all the outlier classes that weren't necessarily the most popular time slot. So I was teaching they had three locations. I was teaching in their downtown LA location. I was teaching in the um, Venice Beach location and in the Silver Lake location. So I think I was probably paying to work with the amount of gas. I was. <laughs> but I was hungry for this. I loved it. And I wanted to make it work. And, and I was also working as a waitress. And so it probably was about a year of me doing this, teaching 20 classes a week, waiting tables at night and working at the front desk when they needed me and it was exhausting and I wanted to give up so many times and I mean I remember again calling my mother from the side of the road because I was about to run out of gas and I had no money in my account and she transferred some money to my account so that I could get off the on-ramp and put some gas in my car to get back home and I just thought what am I doing I need to go back and find a job um, that pays the bills. And slowly but surely, my classes started getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And the owners of the studio started taking notice. And um, one of the really great instructors, he left for a new opportunity, and I was offered his position, his spots, which were like the prime time spots. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was probably about a couple of months into these new time slots and I was starting to make real money again, that, um, that moment of this was the right choice was when I gave in my, gave my notice at my restaurant job. Uh-huh. That's great. And I became just an instructor teaching 12 classes a week and making a living doing it. Yeah. That's exciting. Cause I think, uh, like they say, what showing up on the mat. So you're, if you just show up, even if you're going to fail or you're you know, stressed <laughs> out, like, um, I listened to something too, where somebody was saying, uh, you know, sometimes winning is not just winning a race or something. Sometimes winning is just participating in it. Like even if you come in last, because it depends on where you're at in the process of something. So now you have this, uh, you moved overseas into a, for a few years here, you've been in the UK and uh, you have a whole new environment and uh, you have a couple of 
you have a nice little family with a couple little beings that are growing up and um so you're teaching um in england in uh what's in york yorkshire york is yorkshire. yorkshire yorkshire okay i know yes <laughs> yorkshire you and every other american myself included <laughs> So, um, I tried, but, um, okay, so you're there, and you are, um, teaching there, and I know that you have, um, did something which I thought was kind of interesting, um, because you're interested in building community, and it's, I might, I might get this wrong, it's either glass and class, or class and glass. Which class and glass, because you stretch first, and, th and then drink. Okay. <laughs> So can you just tell us like um, about how you do that and what, what happens in something like that? So um, Yes, so I started Class in Glass almost a year ago. Um, I was about five months postpartum from my second child, and I wasn't entirely sure when and if I was going to go back to teaching. Well, somebody asked me um, to come and teach a teaser at a yoga festival um, in Yorkshire here. And so it was just like a 30 minute class. And so I came down and I did that and I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot how much I love teaching. It had been about two and a half years since I taught. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought, oh, you know, this is, this is me. This is what I need to do. And at the time there were no studios that I could go and say, hey, I'm a teacher. Can I come and teach? And I thought, well, I'm going to have to do something myself. Now, um, there's gorgeous little village halls all over the place in Yorkshire. And I thought, well, I don't want to be a village hall teacher, but that's kind of my option right now. But I'm going to make it cool, and I want to create some community because I miss that. I miss that what group fitness can do for people. You, you know, you're coming and you're working next to other people who are also putting in effort and moving their bodies and getting out of their comfort zones. And I think a lot can be gained from doing that side by side with people. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to create my own experience to create and start cultivating that community. And that's when Class and Glass was born. It was a 75 minute um, chance to come move your body and then 30, 40 minutes to enjoy kombucha and meet the people that you were sweating next to. Um, and it became a really big success. Um, I'm actually about to do, I think it's my sixth one. Um, at the, oh my goodness, May 12th. Um, and I've changed it so that it's a donation experience so that people can come, they can move, they can meet people and they can decide what, what the priority and of what priority their health takes and base their experience and their payment on that. So it's a moment of self-reflection as well. Okay. Um, and, and it's just been wonderful at for me meeting people in a new community, for other people meeting each other. Um, I'm watching friendships being forged, um, you know, acquaintance, acquaintances becoming friendships. And um, it's just been a very awesome, wonderful experience. And also just spreading the good word of yoga, so. Yeah, I mean, I think yoga, that's, I mean, part of the reason why I do this podcast and what I do is because I think yoga is such a great thing for people in general, because it's not, you can modify it to your needs too. So even though if you're not feeling well or you're older and you haven't moved in a while, you don't have to do all the fancy poses. You can do something more simple. 
even just like moving your hands above your head and down again, like making the sun motion, you know, like that, yeah. that could be enough to start with and then you can grow with it. So absolutely, yeah. And it does work on the nervous system, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, and which helps with all your hormones and whatnot. And I mean, I think for most of us, we're driven as animals through like our hormonal fluctuations and stuff. So to have that kind of like modified and settled down a little is nice. <laughs> so <laughs> now you also teach classes though, also right at a studio and at two studios. Yes. Um, I teach at a beautiful new studio here in North Yorkshire called um, Avalon Wellbeing Center. Um, It's just what it sounds like. It's a center for well-being. And I teach two classes there on Mondays and Fridays. And then I am lucky enough at the beautiful farm I live on to have my own little private yoga studio that um, holds about six or seven people. And um, I teach a yoga with weights class there, as well as a slow vinyasa flow once a week as well uh-huh. so the with the weights though is that um does that give you like cardio fitness like less you know, it's yoga i know but um it's still very much yoga as i think you know yoga is rooted in intention and breath awareness and the way that that varies from any other fitness class is that we set intention at the beginning of class you know uh-huh. we talk about how breath is the key um it's moving mindfully um it's taking your time um i asked ashley if she wouldn't mind speaking a little bit more about yoga and depression and how it has helped her deal with that no i don't mind at all um so i very openly talk about how both yoga fitness and movement um help keep depression at a The yoga specifically, it's that opportunity to both move your body while focusing on breath and kind of creating a safe space to to kind of just work through the the cobwebs and the crap that come through your mind. Um, You know, I think depression is a tricky one because it can sneak up on you. And when it sneaks up on you, it kind of just like consumes you and pulls you down into the dark little hole that it is. And, um, so if I'm keeping my practice regular and I'm moving daily, it's less likely to sneak up on me. Uh It's, it's, it's when I'm not moving. It's when I'm eating like crap. It's when I'm too much in my head that, um, depression will sneak in and grab me. Um, that's when it becomes a little more tricky because when it grabs you, you're like, F the world. I don't want to do anything good for me right now. I just want to wallow in it. Right. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to feel through that for a little bit and to be, be with those feelings. Um, this is when it's good to have like friends and family in place to kind of be like, yeah, you're in a dark spot. And my husband will be like, go to the gym, go to the studio, go move your body. It's, it's not a request. I'm telling you. Uh-huh. And, and it may be hard to do. And, um, it may take me a while to get there, but once I show up onto the mat and I start moving, um, it has pretty quick, quick effect of um, kind of setting things right again. Um, it, because I think depression, you know, it takes you so much into your head. It takes you into all those dark nooks and crannies, but moving your body and breathing with mindfulness um, takes you out of your head and grounds you back into the earth and back into this life. And, um, 
that's why I think, you know, like all the meditation and sitting on your meditation cushion is fantastic, but your mind can still get the best of you. Whereas, you know, that movement, um, helps, helps keep it real to, yeah. for lack of a better term <laughs> i find that uh my my most uh, like i know a lot of yoga teachers say at the beginning of a class like what is your t- intention for your practice or set an intention and i have to say 99.9 percent of the time my intention is just to be present it, like i don't even go beyond that because i feel like yoga for me i mostly do stuff by myself but if i'm with other people i might look at somebody if i'm really lost like if the instructor if i lost the instructor somehow like you know or people are far ahead and i'm still like well where am i like what am i supposed to be doing because that happens sometimes but um when i am just mainly doing it i'm so uh focused on trying to just stay in the pose and not fall over that I don't have time to think of anything else. Because <laughs> there are those times where you're like, Whoa, like a little wobbly or, you know, yeah. other times you feel like, yes, this is great. I feel so great, you know? And <laughs> but it, sometimes those places, those poses that are the most challenging that help us feel the most alive and help us like uh-huh. get back into our bodies. And it's like, those things are there to challenge us to help bring us, bring us back and make us feel alive and make us feel challenged. And it's just like, those are some of the most pivotal moments in the class is when you feel like, oh, shit, I'm going to fall over to the person next to me and knock them over. (laughs) (laughs) Or punch them in the face as I'm doing something. (laughs) Hey, I can't tell you how many times I've been kicked in the face in a busy yoga class where (laughs) somebody's going into warrior three in front of me and we both are. And it's like, (laughs) <laughs> face face meets toes that'll keep you present no, that so. keeps you present all the time and if you're not present it's totally gonna knock you out and be like what okay wake up no, so. but um oh. you know actually i mean it's true about the meditation thing though too because i meditated long before i ever did yoga i mean i did other exercises and stuff but i didn't i did the meditation before i learned yoga and i think um i found myself often in the clouds a little bit and not being grounded and Mm -hmm. so I think that that being in your head part can be really tricky because um you're kind of like searching for stuff outside of yourself maybe sometimes instead of being on the earth like even if you're a spiritual being it doesn't mean that you have to be out there in the clouds you can be you're, you're on the earth so you need to like be here living your life so 100% agree with that. Um, And, and it is a tough battle every moment of the day, I think, but I love that saying that goes to live in the past is to be depressed, to live in the future is to be anxious, but to be here in the now is to be present. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anxious. Yeah. Anxious. Yeah. I don't want to be anxious. So uh, I've, I've never, I had my first anxiety kind of attack not that long ago, which I never had before. And it was actually okay though, because I had people supporting me and work me through it. But um, quite surprising to me because I felt like I was, uh, I had a kind of regression to like when I was like five years old, of uh, jumping off um, an edge into water. And I used to jump off of higher things even when I was five. (laughs) I didn't have fear. And it was weird. It was like how fear kind of came back up, but I had these people around me that kind of helped. So I think it's nice too that your family and your friends, as you were saying, they know when you're kind of falling into this place to kind of um, say like, okay, get moving, get to the gym, go do something, go to the studio, to have a support system is really good. Um, And 
I think if people do yoga, like you said, with your um, glassing, or I think it's glass and glass, or no, class and glass. Class and glass. <laughs> I don't know why I have a problem with mixing stuff up. But um, like that people are forging friendships and even, you know, sometimes we're friends with somebody, like we could just be workout buddies or whatever, but it's nice to have that kind of, um, those connections to people to help you along in the process of doing stuff and having a community. First, I would like to ask you to share your website with people so that people can find out more about you. Um, so my website is ashleymarleymovement.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Ashley Marley Movement and Facebook, the same thing. Okay. So I will also put that in the show notes. So for anybody who is uh, looking, you will be able to find all the links and a little bio about Ashley. So um, now, I, do you have a recommended book or a favorite quote that you would like to tell people? It doesn't have to be both. It could be either or. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such the hot spot right now. Um, book I, I feel like I haven't had the chance to read forever because by the time I get to bed I'm so exhausted but I am currently reading um Brene Brown's Daring Greatly um which is quite wonderful and um coincidentally enough um a girlfriend sent me um an Oprah podcast with Brene speaking and um it's making me dig her even more she's all about vulnerability and um working through shame and the podcast is um the anatomy of truth and um i i just think it's wonderful and my new favorite quote right now um which just doesn't have to do with much of anything but it does is um a great man plants trees where he will not be enjoying the shade within his lifetime. So it's that idea of um, leaving the world a better place for um, the generations below us, below us, which um, is just kind of weighing heavy on my mind right now. And um, I think yoga is a practice beyond physicality. It's, um, you know, being that community aspect of it and just thinking about ways that I can, um, make a lesser impact on the environment by making a greater impact in my community. Right. I think about like, what is your legacy is kind of like a good question for people to ask, like by planting the trees, like whatever you do now, it does have like a ripple effect down the road. We all, we need more trees too. (laughs) We do. And and, and (laughs) physical, exactly. Physical trees as well as like, um, emotional and spiritual and hypothetical trees and if I were to look at what my legacy is it's helping people realize their greatness and um, realize their physical abilities as well as mental abilities because by taking care of themselves they're going to show up greater in the world and it's going to cause that ripple effect of just making the world a better place because they're a happier person. Yeah that's great. So um, you also have something coming up a a day-long retreat and can you tell us a little bit about that and what would somebody first of all like I I don't know a lot about retreats so what does a person do when they go on a retreat like what is a kind of thing that they would do can you give us like a little kind of summary of that and then like what would be the primary takeaway that you would hope for people on the retreat most retreats you can expect to if it's a yoga retreat you're going to do some pranayama, you know, breath work. Um, you're going to do some movement. You might have some workshops. And um, at my retreat, we're going to be doing those things. Um, my retreat, it's um, not going to be your average yoga retreat. It is, um, it's based in the physical 
however it is that integration of mind and body um so it is okay. you know cr creating a space of mindfulness and physical awareness through movement um because movement is life it's it's going to be a place for people to unravel to stretch unjudged um, everybody is welcomed and it's going to be three yoga classes um a california vinyasa flow a yoga sculpt class so the yoga with weights and we're wrapping it up with comfy yoga which is a nice term for restorative yoga um, we're going to have um, two mini workshops on technique breakdowns um, which is going to be the fundamentals of breaking down a vinyasa as well as doing a squat and a push-up which are fitness moves that you not only need in a fitness class but you need to squat to be able to sit on the toilet yeah. um, you know these these things are not just for good booties they're like fundamentals for like getting up off the couch right. and um, we're going to be doing some health and fitness mapping so the the takeaway from this retreat is going to be the launch pad to the next 30 days of your life to just take your health and make it a priority so that you can show up for the ones that you love and so we're going to be doing a lot of um, mental work around what that looks like and how are you going to show up to achieve that so that you can be the best for those that you love and um, showing up in the world. Yeah, and then when people follow the uh, like a 30 day thing, it's easy to create that into a long, a lifelong habit. So Absolutely. Uh, having guideposts and the community around that, that's really important. Well, I really enjoyed speaking with you, Ashley, today. And thank you for joining me in our conversations podcast here. Not Oprah's conversations, but Amy's <laughs> conversations. God just likes me conversations because I know she's conversations too. <laughs> um, anyway, I hope that we you'll join us again in the future and tell us, like, uh, we can get even more into maybe like the Kriyas and Kundalini and other things too yeah it's a great place and i hope people will uh look up uh ashley's site and uh learn more about her and if you're uh when is your retreat coming when it, what day is it? uh my retreat is on june 9th um at avalon Wellbeing center um it's going to be a full day of spectacular amazing work in skipton in north yorkshire and if you're in the uk area it's going to be well worth it um i'm really excited about it Okay, you can find all the details on the show notes about that. And um, so thank you for joining me. And until next time. Thank you, Amy. If you have any questions, please send them to hello at consciouslife.guru. Now, before I sign off, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to the channel of YouTube if you're here or to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening. And please leave a review. It means a lot. And don't forget to check out our website, consciouslife.guru. Until next time. Music in this production includes God Fury by Anno Domini Beats, Birds by Silent Partner, and Cast of Pods by Doug Maxwell.